The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, so many of us who consider ourselves to be more or less spiritual beings... So many of us who consider ourselves to be Christian or Muslim or Buddhist or Taoist or any other religion believe that being good means helping and healing others. In fact, helping and healing others is a defining characteristic of a good person, regardless of religion or spiritual path. What will we do when we really get it that we can't help or heal anyone, ever? Now, I'm not trying to be a downer here. But there's a concept we need to understand about helping and healing that often we just don't really get. The concept of reception is a very difficult one for us to accept, particularly in the Western world where being out there, doing, seeking, hunting, giving, helping, healing are the ways that we prove to ourselves and our worlds that we are worthy. But if worthiness doesn't really have to be earned, then we can consider the concept of reception. For what if everything that is truly worthy is received? What if everything that is truly worthy is received? Which means that our giving means only what it means to us, unless the other person chooses to receive it. That's what we're going to be talking about today. So first, let's kind of define reception a little bit. Reception is receiving. And in order for us to receive, it seems to us in our our sort of um, square box thinking that we have to have somebody give it to us. So either we give to somebody else or they give to us. And receiving is the lesser end of that deal to us in terms of our morals, in terms of our sense of worth. When we receive something, well, that means we're, we've, we've needed help. And needing help is, makes us a little bit less than, especially in the Western culture. And we have to be told that, well, when you receive something from someone else, they also get to give it, and you're sort of giving them something in the sense that they get to give you something. So, and then we go, okay, all right, well, yeah, I'll accept that. But really, down deep, we have a belief system that says that unless we're out there giving, uh, not quite good enough yet, not there yet. So, uh, when we talk about the concept of receiving, we, we hardly ever think in terms of love. But, you know, so many of us quote uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 uh, when we talk about love and what it means and how it isn't jealous and it, it you know, it, it's kind and it does all these wonderful things. But we think of it in terms of patience, long-suffering and all of that that we're told of in that chapter. We think of it as giving love. 
But actually, I have a different interpretation, and you may or may not choose to accept this interpretation. You may or may not choose to listen to this show. It's entirely up to you. But the idea is that that definition of love is a divine love. It is the one we are receiving from the divine. Because at the end of it, Paul, or the writer of that book, says, uh, we have these things, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. So faith is about receiving. Hope is about receiving. But we tend to think that love is about giving. But in fact, it also is about receiving. Faith is, I have the faith to believe that I'm going to be taken care of. That the, the universe, God, the divine, whatever you call it, is taking care of me. Hope is that, I hope that my life is what I hope it will be, whatever that is. And that also is about receiving. Love, on the other hand, is what we're, we should be doing. But I'm going to tell you something, and I'll say this again before the end of the show. When we stick a should in front of love... It is no longer love. When we stick a should in front of love, it ceases to be love. Because love doesn't, has no shoulds. It's not about duty or obligation or have to or ought to or, you know, oh, they need it so I should give it. How do you know what they need? I mean, really, think about it. How do we know what other people need? Well, they look like they need it. I'd need it if I was them. Have you asked them if they need it? Probably not. <laughs> but we make that assumption first, that we've, that, oh, well, they look like they need it, so they must need it. I don't know what somebody else needs. I don't know what somebody else needs. But that doesn't mean I lack empathy, and it doesn't mean I lack compassion. And that's how we square that off. If I don't know what somebody else needs, then I must not have much compassion and I must not have much empathy. Ergo, I'm not a very worthy, kind, loving person. Think about it. When was the last time you heard somebody say, oh, he's a good man or she's a good woman? They're kind and they're loving and they give all the time. That's how we define it. That's how we define it. If we see a person who's not out there you know, giving and kind and loving or seems to be kind and loving according to our definition of that, then we think they're unkind. Many a person who has stopped enabling other people has been called unkind. Many a person who has stopped enabling an addict to continue to use or an abuser to continue to abuse them or a criminal to continue to commit crimes Many of those people are called either by the person they've been enabling or by family members or friends of the, ena- of the, of the enabled. They've been told that they're unkind now. They've stopped being loving. What's the matter? You're so selfish. But that's not true, really, is it? When we stop being an enabler, we start letting go and, get, and thereby giving that person an opportunity to stand on their own feet, which does allow them to, to begin to consider, well, maybe I have a problem that I need to get some help for, some real help, not some enabling. So, okay. So in terms of receiving, what we need to know is this. Love is something we receive. If there is a divine self, and I believe there is, it is the essence of who I am. It is my deepest essential core beingness and it is uh, able 
it, it, you know, according to uh, some definitions we read in the Western Bible, especially also in the Bhagavad Gita, some of the Taoists th- talk about love. Um, some even of the Buddhists talk about love, though it doesn't define a divine character. Uh, they all say essentially the same thing, that deep within us is a compassionate, loving nature that's just there naturally. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to push it. It's a river we- that can't be pushed. It's just there. And it, it, the more we take off the blankets and cumbersome costumes and masks that we wear, the more able we are to feel, see, know, and, and sort of radiate that love. But we have to receive it internally first. Now, what do I mean by that? If, if the Western Christian definition of, of God is love, and the Bible says it is, so everybody, when I talk to them about whatever they believe, they always say, well, the Bible says, so the Bible says <laughs> that God is love. Okay, I, I buy that. And many of us do. So, okay, if that's really true, and God is the divine being that is one with all, and I am one with the divine, then I also am love. And if that's true, then why am I not receiving that? Well, maybe the reason I'm not receiving that is because I have decided that I should be giving that instead of receiving that. But here's the real deal. The more I can receive that, the more I will just naturally give that without any effort whatsoever. The more I can just receive the love that is in me to toward me, as me, of me, the more I'm able to radiate that love outward to the world. You see, we, in the Western culture, we are extremely externalized. When you talk to people from the Eastern uh, cultures and Eastern religions, they are much more internalized than we are. They tend to be looking inside for information. We tend to look outside for information. We tend to be, like I said in the beginning, uh, being out there, doing, seeking, hunting, giving, helping, healing, you know, stealing, whatever we have to do, working, whatever we have to do out there to impress the world with all the great things we're doing. Or to impress ourselves with how bad we are, or to impress the world with how big and bad we are, whichever. It's all externalized. So, looking inside is a very difficult procedure for most of us to begin to do. And a way to begin that process is to feel our feelings. And we've talked about this several other times in the show, and I'm just going to mention it um, briefly now, but the idea is that when I begin to feel my feelings, they become information. They become message givers from me to me about me. So anger isn't a bad feeling that I shouldn't have because it's not very loving. And if I have anger, how can I be loving? And if I am not loving, how can I be worthy? That's the general thought pattern we have. Um, actually, when I'm angry, I'm trying to solve a problem. My, there's a big, huge, powerful energy in there going, solve this problem. And if I channel it towards solution of the problem, I'll get a solution to the problem. Because I, that kind of anger doesn't stop till it gets the problem solved. Fear is our telling ourselves that we need more information. We need uh, maybe information in terms of support. Um, uh, I might need to go talk to someone who might help me figure out something more about myself. 
I might need a mirror to look in so I can see myself more clearly. I might need uh, to to get feedback that would say, you know, you're you're skewing reality here along the lines of some kind of image of yourself that isn't correct. Um, and and that kind of feedback can put me back inside myself and ground me again. That's what fear is saying. Hey, you need more information so that you can deal with whatever it is you've got to, you're so afraid of dealing with. That's what fear says. Sadness says something new is coming. Something new is coming. And so, you know, when when the sadness comes, we refuse. We just don't want to feel it. We don't want to feel it. We don't want to feel it. And all the time we're fe- not feeling it, we're also holding on to what is leaving and being drugged behind that wagon and getting beat up all the time. Sadness is hard enough <laughs> without the without all that. And so... And then we beat ourselves up for feeling sad and we beat ourselves up for feeling afraid and we beat ourselves up for feeling angry and we multiply the problem exponentially by doing so. But really, those are just messages to us, for us, about us that are trying to help us. Help, real help, coming not from the external to the internal, but from the internal to the external. Now, it may be, it may be directing us to an external. It may be directing us further internally. We might get help inside of us. Information from inside of us. Um, but regardless, there's a direction there in those feelings. And those are the ones that we consider to be the most negative and all the variants of those anger as frustration, anger as uh, irritation, anger as rage, anger, you know, uh, fear as terror, fear as fear, fear as anxiety, all of the levels of fear. Sadness as deep, deep sorrow. Sadness as I'm a little blue. All of those levels of sadness. All of those are the, what we call negative feelings in our culture right now. We, we think of those as negative. And so the culture says, don't feel those. What's the matter with you? Get on out here. Get your job done. Forget, forget about it, right? Forget about it and go do your job. What, what's wrong with you? So that's what we do. And, and in that process, we lose touch more and more and more and more with what's natural inside of us. And what is natural inside of us? Love. That's what's natural inside of us. Self-love, love for the universe and all of its beautiful, amazing gifts, and love for other people as a part of that. Okay, so now I said in the beginning that we don't really ever help people. Now, what in the world am I talking about? Well, what I mean by that is I can give all the so-called help that I want to give, but if you don't receive it, ain't nothing happening. If you're not receiving the love that I'm giving, if you're not receiving the gifts that I'm giving, if you're not receiving the time and the talent and the energy and the words and the nagging and the whatever else that I'm trying to give you, then nothing's happening. There's no help happening. All help is self-help. All help is about reception. It's not about the giving. Because we... We, we live in this Western culture in which it's all about the external. We think we have to put ourselves out into the external in a way that makes the external impressed with what we're doing. And when it gets impressed with what we're doing and turns and looks at us and says, oh, I'm so impressed with what you're doing, then and only then can we feel worthy. And how often does that happen? Oh, so rarely. And so we're never feeling really worthy, are we? So we've set ourselves up with this game that we play, and none of us know it's a game, but it is a game. And what the intention of the game is to keep us out of touch with who we are and what really is going on inside there, which is all about reception. So when I'm receiving love 
from myself to myself, what is that like? What does that mean? Does that mean I'm arrogant? Does that mean I'm, um, you know, self-absorbed? Does that mean I'm narcissistic? What does that mean? Well, it means that I'm receiving from the divine I am, the great divine I am that is universal and individualized inside of me. I'm receiving what is what is intended to, to be given to me. I'm doing what I came here to do, in other words. Because everything that I have to give, I have to have received first. So if I'm shutting down on that process, I don't have anything to give. Hello. Okay, so we, we have it exactly backwards. It really is all about reception. And it's when we give something, it's about how the other person receives it. When we receive, it's about how we receive it. And we don't ever talk about the psychology of reception. Except in a few Jungian circles where Carl Jung is the sort of, he, we talk about that um, feminine aspect of receiving as opposed to the masculine archetypal aspect. And I don't mean gendered aspect, I mean archetypal aspect of giving. So, so the perfect balance, or let me say it differently, the complete balance, there is no such thing as perfect anything, the complete balance would be wholeness, which is the union of the opposites of the feminine and the masculine. Okay, The feminine says, go inside. Let's be inside. Let's be in there and sit with that and receive. Let's take that in. Let's gather it together. Let's weave it into something. Let's, let's be inside and be, and be doing all that. And the masculine says, okay, you've gathered that together. Now let's take that out into the world. Okay? And be it. It doesn't say give it to the world. It says be it. The masculine says be it. Be what you have gathered together. Because everything you can gather together inside of you is you. And when we, when we are becoming that, then we are bringing what we have to the table. Okay? The only thing that I authentically have is what is authentically me. Nothing else is mine. Nothing else is mine. So, in the process of, of, of self-discovery, we go in, we may find out that you know, let's say we've got some anger about some issue, apparently an issue that's happening at work, and we, we okay, well, let's we look at that and we sit with it and we sort of weave things together and we gather some um, new information about it and we, we look and we study it from an internal perspective. How does that feel? What do I want with that? Where's my creation with that? What would I like to build here? And we begin the process of building. And then in the process of building, we create something new. So we solve the problem, not only to solve the problem at work, but we've created a whole new structure out of it. So we went through the internal, we looked at the feelings, and then we took it outside. That's the union of the masculine and the feminine. And then there is some talk about that in some circles. Um, but it's hard to make practical for many of us because we we tend to not want to spend much time internally. We want to just look at it, get mad, go tell somebody what we think and say, fix this problem, <laughs> you know, when we're mad. And then we feel bad about being mad because that wasn't very loving. And then we're back in the same old rat race again to try to be more loving. So we're going to talk about this whole thing of that struggle between the seeming opposites right after this. Stay tuned. We'll be back in just a minute. 
the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. If you were looking to shift from struggle to a life of alignment with your deepest truth, you'll want to tune in to Thresholds to Awakening with host Sway Emily Spilkin. Our program will help you discover that your deepest challenges are not mistakes, but opportunities to become who you really are. Thresholds to Awakening. Enter your darkness to find your light, where Sway speaks with spiritual luminaries, cutting-edge thought leaders, and experts in the field of transformation. Listen live every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free. 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Thank you for coming back. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the American Institute of Holistic Theology. You may wonder what the terms holistic theology mean. Well, theology is the study of the divine, and holistic theology is a holistic study of the divine that includes all religions and even transcends religion to get to the mystical core of them all. The American Institute of Holistic Theology offers doctorate, master's, and ministerial bachelor's degrees, chaplaincy programs with internship, NBCC-approved continuing education, and a brand-new Ph.D. program in holistic theology. And right now... They're offering an opportunity to win a free course for those who email before March 31st. But I'll tell you more about that in just a minute. AIHT's programs include degrees in the following. Holistic Theology, offering as terminal degrees both a THD and a PhD. Holistic Ministries, Holistic Health and Spiritual Care. Metaphysical Spirituality and Alternate Spiritual Traditions, which includes in-depth studies of the paranormal. Using a home study model for distance learning, the student of AIHT gets a thorough education in the field that fulfills and offers a chance to authenticate a unique gift for the world. This is not just another spiritual diploma mill. AIHT is a real educational program where you will get a real learning experience in a broad spectrum of educational endeavors, utilizing as your text writing teachers spiritual experts from all over the world. For those interested in enrolling, there's a small down payment of $250, and then you pay only $150 a month interest-free toward manifesting your dream. The big deal is that facilitating your dream is AIHT's mission. All you have to do is enroll. to enroll is either go to www. 
aiht.edu or contact admissions director Beverly Love at 800-650-4325. And now to the details of how you can win a free course. Email Beverly Love at aiht.edu. That's B-E-V-E-R-L-Y-L-O-V-E, just like we're talking about today, at aiht.edu. And put win a free course in your subject line. Tell her you'd like to win a free course and why, and then wait till the drawing on April the 1st to find out if you won. Or if you'd like to enroll right now, pick up the phone and call 800-650-4325 to learn how you can make your dreams for a degree that will make your career dreams come true. So we're talking today about helping and healing and whether or not it's even really possible to help or heal another person. What we said just before the break is that we would talk a little bit more about that uh, union of opposites, and I'm going to do that right now. Uh, the idea that there is inside of us a capacity to differentiate and a p- capacity to integrate is a difficult one for us to uh, consummate in our lives into, into practical skills. It's difficult for us to be able to go internally, sit still, go internally, uh, as we sit still, and I don't mean necessarily sitting, standing, laying, whatever you're doing, be still. Just be still in whatever that is and to uh, to receive. It's difficult, but it can be learned. And it is that selah, pause and reflect on this. There's many times in the uh, uh, Torah or the Hebrew Bible where they use the word selah. That means pause and reflect on this. And it comes after a powerful, profound statement of some sort. And they say, pause and reflect on this. So, I'm angry. Pause and reflect on this. I'm sad. Pause and reflect on this. Uh, you know, somebody just almost ran me off the road. Pause and reflect on this. Uh, you meet someone you're very attracted to. Pause and reflect on this. That's a beginning. You begin to go internal and begin to... Make the distinctions between what you feel. So many times when I'm working with people over the years, over the past 30 years since I've been practicing psychotherapy and counseling, I'll ask someone, well, how do you feel about that? And they'll say, I don't know. And sometimes, depending on the situation, I'll say, well, if you don't know, who's going to know? And if you don't know your feelings, how can you run your life? If you don't know what's going on inside there, how are you running your life? And basically what the answer is, I'm running my life on what I think other people want from me. And it's exhausting. Are you tired yet? Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired yet? Because if you are, the answer is to stop trying to help and heal. Stop trying to help and heal. Yes, this is coming from my truest compassion. Stop trying to help and heal. Let's talk about reception. So now, does that mean that we will never, ever help another person again? Well, you've heard me use the word help usually, loosely in this conversation with myself and with you. Uh, as we, as, as I've talked, it just sort of comes out. Well, you, you know, you go to other people for support and they help you. Well, If we think in terms of reception, that no help is help until it is received by the other party, then what we are doing is offering. And what we are bringing, hopefully, is not something that we think we should bring, 
something that we're obligated to bring, something that we've got some heinous duty to take care of. Hopefully it's not that. Because, again, I will say, if it, if you put should in front of the word love, it ceases to be love. It has now been transformed into something entirely different from love, something that even is filled up to overflowing with resentment, something that is even filled up to overflowing with, God, I hate doing this. Would you please just don't call me again? Really? You want to call that love? Seriously? I don't think so. So... When, when, when we're talking about uh, loving, it cannot be related at all, not even in the same room, with a should or an ought to or a duty or a have to or a she called and I feel so guilty. Guilt is not love. Let me say that again and I will say it again and again. Guilt is not love. Passion is love. Compassion is love. Guilt and love are oxymorons because guilt tells you what you should do or should have done. We've been raised in a culture in which, actually a world in which um, we believe that our conscience, not our consciousness, but our conscience can tell us what we should do and what we shouldn't do. And you remember when you were a little kid, I remember when I was a little kid and somebody would say, well, is your guilty conscience bothering you? You know, maybe you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I remember people teasing us, you know, about our guilty conscience bothering us. Well, conscience seems to be somewhat at least synonymous with the word guilt. So if I'm feeling guilty, my conscience is trying to tell me what I should do. And that's what we listen to. Why? Because we don't trust ourselves to be able to bring ourselves to the table in full as whole beings who are fully receiving what is ours to receive, is our divine right and privilege and honor to receive. And that is all the love in the universe that there is for us. For us. And once we've received that, it radiates outward because it is way bigger than this little body, this little mind. Well, how do I know that? I know it by experience, but, you know, everybody's got their own of those. Everybody's got an opinion and everybody's got an experience. So it's yours to decide whether or not you agree with me. But the point I'm making today, and this is just what I have to offer, what I bring to the table in my own authenticity is that um, that if I'm receiving, then it radiates outward. If I'm not receiving, then I have to develop a should to make it go somewhere. And that's what we've done. We have put in these false standards, these false um, dictates that tell us how we ought to be uh, uh, working in the world. And what it's, it's, I don't know whether it's meant to do this or not, but it certainly has the effect of keeping us out of touch with who we actually are and what we really do have to bring, which is completely backwards. Completely backwards. Okay, so here's the real truth. We think that we can influence other people, get them to see things, get them to hear things, get them to do things, motivate them, help them, heal them, empower them, um, give to them something that will push them into the right direction. We think we have that power to do all of that for other people. But the truth is, we don't have the power to do any of that for other people. We can't influence other people. 
They choose to decide who they're influenced by. Choice is the final arbiter. They're, and that's usually going to be based on their identity, their how they see their life, what they think they have to do to survive, all kinds of things that fall into that that says, I'm going to choose to listen to you and not you. Okay, so don't have any influence over other people. They choose that. Um, we can't uh, make other people think differently. I've heard people say, well, I just want to make him think so-and-so and so-and-so. Well, I just want to make her feel so-and-so. You make me feel so whatever, whatever. That's what we say. The truth is we have no power to reach inside another person and turn on or off their emotions or their thoughts. We cannot make another person feel something, no matter what that something is. We can't make them feel angry or sad or happy or uh, grateful or anything. We can't make another person feel something, and they can't make us feel anything. We have no power over that, zero power over that. They are choosing what they feel moment by moment by moment. They are choosing their response. The truth is, I could go up uh, and, and whack somebody on the back of the head, and they might go, oh, NCIS, and laugh at me. Or, or I could pop them on the back of the head, and they could turn around and say, what, what are you doing hitting me? They chose it. They chose a totally different reaction, same, same gift I gave them, the smack on the back of the head, and they had a totally different reaction. So... You know, people say all the time, and literally I've seen people stay in horrendous relationships for long periods of time because they didn't want to hurt somebody's feelings or hurt that person. And and they're making the assumption that they have the power to reach inside that other person and hurt them because they're going to do something that's good for themselves. I'm in an abusive relationship, and I've got to stay there because I don't want to hurt my partner's feelings. And besides, I really don't want to make him mad. So... You know, I'm basing my behavior, my own authentic life on somebody else's potential reactions, which they may not even have. And that's how we make our decisions. That is so backwards. <laughs> We're not making our decisions from, you know what, this thing is hurtful to me and, and it's keeping me from living the life that I'm here to live. Not only that, but the more I sit here and take this, the more I'm enabling that other person to believe it's okay for them to continue to abuse me or whatever they're doing that's hurtful to me. And uh, no, this is not a kind gift I'm giving and it's not something that's kind to me so I'm getting out of it I'm making a decision now I may have to if it's a particularly um, violent abuser I might have to be very very careful about how I do that but that I do that is a loving act toward myself and toward the other person but it is only an offering we can only offer other people stuff they get to decide what they're going to do with that offering and that's what we really don't want to know. We really don't want to know that they can choose to do something different than what we really intend for them to choose when we give them this gift. Oh, Aunt Mary's going to be so happy when I give this to her and you give it to Aunt Mary and she says, what are you, I don't want this. Take this back. You know? And we get all hurt and mad at Aunt Mary for, you know, being ungrateful and being rude on top of it. And... Of course, maybe she could have said it a little differently, but she said it how she said it, and that's that. But we decided how she should have felt when we gave her that gift. So what are we really doing when we're trying to help some Aunt Mary? We're actually trying to control Aunt Mary. We're trying to make Aunt Mary feel something that's going to make us feel good about ourselves. Hello. Now we get down to the real deal. 
we're, when we're giving up from all these shoulds and ought tos and have tos, we're really not trying to give something to the other person. We're trying to make ourselves feel good about ourselves. I very often ask people, how, you, how do you feel after you do that for Aunt Mary? Let's say it's Aunt Mary just for the heck of it. How do you feel after you do that? You know, go over to Aunt Mary's house every Saturday morning and clean her house up for her, even though she she's tough and strong and able to stand behind you and tell you how to do it all. Well, how do you feel about that? Oh, I feel I feel good. Okay, well, tell me what you mean by good. What does that mean? Does that mean, you know, is it, does it mean you feel happy? Does it mean you feel joyous? Do you feel radiant? Do you feel, no, none of that. I don't feel any of that. Well, what do you feel? Well, I just feel good. I feel like I'm a good person. You know, I've done what I was supposed to do. Oh, I see. So the goal isn't to help Aunt Mary. The whole the goal is for me to feel like I'm a good person. Now that's not always the case, so I don't want to generalize that, but but it, it is very often the case. And we haven't stopped to ask ourselves what we're really doing. What's our real motivation? And because we haven't, we get stuck in all kind of agendas from other people. And, you know, it just feels like, you know, so many times when people are stuck in those agendas and guilt is their primary motivator and, and they feel so obligated to other people that they just, it's almost like they've gotten them, their feet stuck in concrete and they can't move because all they do when they look down at their feet is see that guilt that has cemented them to the ground and they can't do anything but what it tells them to do. That's a prison. That has nothing to do with the reception of love. That has nothing whatsoever to do with love in giving or receiving. It just doesn't, doesn't, those are oxymorons, as I said. But we can get stuck in that. And while we're stuck, standing there at our look, our feet stuck in that concrete, we're going, I feel good about myself. I did that thing that I should do, so now I feel good. Because we're measuring ourselves perpetually by an externalized standard that says, these things make me a good person. Instead of asking ourselves, what's real? Not what's good, what's bad. Who knows what that is? Osama bin Laden thought what it was a good thing to blow uh, fly planes into the trade towers. I happen to disagree. Lots of other people do too. Um, it's, it, it, we can't measure good. We don't know what that is. And very often it's measured by a standard that says it isn't bad. If it's not bad, it must be good. So, and there's been lots of people who have used that against us. People who appear to be good who are really just scamming us. Um, and that's how we get fooled. Because we're so externalized that we see, oh, well, that's a good person. They're saying all the right stuff. They're doing all the right stuff. We're not paying any attention whatsoever to the internal tug of our own intuition, the internal tug of our own uh, tastes and flavors and what we prefer and all that stuff that's inside of us. We're not paying attention to that. We're only paying attention to what we decided long ago was a good thing, and it's all externalized. And therefore, we get fooled by people because we don't, we're not looking any deeper than what they seem to look like on the surface. So you see how skewed this thing has become? This thing of helping and healing other people. A, a, a scammer can come into my life and help me across the street and help me into the house with my groceries and help himself to my wallet. <laughs> you know, but I've been helped, right? Because, and he's such a nice guy, right? Yeah, we can get fooled, can't we? But we're only fooled to the degree that we're staying out of touch with what's going on inside of us. That's when we're fooled. I've been fooled that way. I've been out of touch with things that have gone on inside of myself. And it's because I've been telling myself some mantra that somebody else taught me. 
I don't do that much anymore. Um, so, so okay. So we've talked a lot about what, what, what the whole process of helping isn't. We're going to talk a little bit more after the break about what the process of helping and healing really is. Stay tuned for that right after this. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Many of us make choices in our lives based on how others react. But what should really matter is making our life choices based on what we intuitively feel. By tuning in to The Mystic and the Mystery with Inspired Intuition hosts Beth Porosik and Christine McIver, you'll receive the tools and inspiration you need to do just that. Your fears do not have to drive you, and you are naturally intuitive, creative, and whole. By believing in yourself, you can live the life you've been longing for. Listen for The Mystic and the Mystery every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you feeling out of control? Are bad relationships, anger, depression, and lifestyle overwhelming you? You can choose to release the belief systems that have kept women stuck for years. Tune in to The Power of an Unstoppable Woman with Dr. Rose Backman as your host. Break free from the genetic beliefs that can cause sabotage. It's time to stand up for who you are and what you believe in no matter what. Listen every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1 866 472 5795. That's 1 866 472 5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back for our final segment of the Authentic Living Show today. We're talking about helping and healing and what it is and what it isn't. So we've, we're going to spend the next little while talking about what do we really mean when we talk about helping another person or healing another person. There's a lot of us that are healers today. Uh, a lot of people out there doing all kinds of healing, Reiki, acupuncture, therapies of all kind, that are offering that healing to other people. Um, and so when we, when we reach out to do Reiki, for example, um, we lay our hands on another person's chakra and we, um, offer healing to that. We allow the divine self within us to go through us to that other person. We move sort of out of the way and we will allow that energy to go through us. And that, uh, often the other person is able to receive uh, all kinds of bodily sensations and, and, um, actual, uh, awarenesses, actual consciousness raising experiences, and even, um, the healing of an illness. What's going on there? Are we healing them? Or are they receiving healing? 
I say they're receiving healing because there are also times when we do the same exact thing when the person isn't, doesn't receive that stuff. They don't, you know, they may have a mild tingling experience over their body and that's about it. Or they may have a light show, what I call a light show, flashing colors and lights and all that, but nothing else happens. Why? Because they're not ready to receive it yet. For whatever reason, no judgment involved, just not ready to receive it yet. That's, that's that. When I do um, psychotherapy with people, I offer them some tools, some homework assignments, some insights, some mirroring, some of the t- tools of my trade, and they will either receive that or they won't. And it's not my job to make them receive it. It's only my job to offer it. And so when we, when we make the assumption that the healer is the one, you know, the, the guy, the healer's the guy, he's doing the thing, <laughs> we're, we're making ourselves worthy, uh, sort of, uh, in excess. And we're, we're, we're expanding our worthiness beyond its natural worthiness, which is that we're here. I'm worthy because I'm here, period, end of subject. I mean, when you think about a flower or a tree or a, um, you know, all kinds of natural things that um, the world has for us, the sky, the earth, the ground, the grasses that grow up out of it, the birds, the flowers, all the natural things that are around us, do they have to earn worthiness? Well, one of the things uh, that I really appreciate about Taoism is that uh, Lao Tse talks a lot about uh, nat- the natural, the natural in us, what is natural in us. And I believe that what is natural in us is that that authentic person that we've forgotten about because we put on the masks and costumes that our particular culture and environment required that we put on in order to survive, to cope with them, to whatever. Um, and in that process, we've lost touch with what we have to bring to the table. And as I said earlier, what I have to bring, what you have to bring, each of us has our own unique, beautiful, amazing gift that no one else on the planet can give because no one else is just like us. That's what we bring to the table. One of the things that Jesus said that I really uh, uh, quote a lot because it, it has such power, but it means something entirely different to me than it means to traditional religion. Um, he said, greater gift, a greater gift than this can no man give, and that is to give his life for another. What many people think of when they hear that is that Jesus is telling us that we have to give our lives for other people. We have to give up our lives. We have to sacrifice our lives for another person. No, no greater gift can be given. So what it puts us in a head, puts us in a mindset that says, um, we, we're not really giving until we've really sacrificed. Okay, well, you've heard me say this before, but I'm going to say it again. There's no such thing as sacrifice. There is no such thing as sacrifice. If I give it because I want you to give me something back in return, that's not a sacrifice. It's a trade. And if I give it because I really want to give it, that's not a sacrifice. It's a gift. What other way is there to give? There is no other way to give. Either I give it because I want to give it or I give it because I think I ought to. And that's it. And so if I think I ought to, then I'm giving, I'm trading a good feeling for, okay, 
I'm going to feel better if I give this. I'm not going to feel guilty if I give it. So I'm going to go ahead and give it. And oh God, I hate it, but I'm going to go ahead and give it. And so we do. We go ahead and give it. And in the process, we lose touch further and further with who we are. Um, so that neither, none of that is sacrifice. Sacrifice, as it was intended, was essentially a, a, a trade with the divine. I will give you this cow, this fatted cow, if you will just take care of me for the next year. It was a trade. And so I see couples come in where the wife says, well, it's my turn now. We moved on down here and up here or wherever and we're, you know, we've been here for X number of years and I can't find the job I really want and I finally found a job up in wherever, wherever and it's my turn. Why can't we move? Well, how did it get to be your turn? Well, I sacrificed. I came down here because he wanted to. No, you didn't. You traded. You, you traded. You thought that he was going to give you back something. And so far, you're not getting it back, are you? <laughs> and of course, I don't, I'm not saying that to my clients. Of course, I have a great deal of empathy and, and compassion for what they're, what they're feeling at that moment. But the reality is, it was a trade. It wasn't an honor sacrifice. So, so here's, here's the thing. When we give something, when we really are healing, here's what we bring. We bring our life to the table. That's what I think Jesus meant when he said, a greater gift than this can no man give, but to give his life for another. I can bring my authentic self, my life, my life energy, my zao is what is a Greek word for that. I can bring my life, my empowerment, my essential core being to the table. And I can, from that radiance that that is, you can be offered something. I've given my life for you just then. That is a genuine gift. That is a genuine gift. And everything else short of that is emptiness. So when we're going around thinking we're helping other people by convincing them to do better or telling them how they ought to live their lives or laying hands on them or whatever... We are fooling ourselves because the final arbiter is choice. And when it comes to somebody else, it ain't our choice. It's theirs. And they're on their own journey. They're doing their own thing. And you don't know, and nor do I know, what that, what is quote-unquote good for them. What they should be doing. What ought to be happening. We don't know that. And so, because we don't know that, we can't... Uh, operate from a knowledge we don't have. In, in terms of, of, uh, equitable care for another person, we have only this to give. I can offer you my truest authenticity. You know, parent, I hear parents say all the time, well, you know, I can't leave my husband, I can't leave my wife, I can't leave my, my partner, I can't leave because, um, my kids will just suffer. Well, first of all, I, I don't know what your kids are going to do. I've certainly had a lot of kids that come in my office and say, oh, my God, I'm so glad they got a divorce. Um, so we don't know what they're going to do. We don't know what we're predicting the future when we say my kids will suffer. But second, if I have to fake it to be with this person that I don't really love anymore or who, you know, who I'm having to tolerate in whatever fashion because what we have doesn't work, Ne- probably never did, then 
I'm A, giving my children an example of falseness, and I'm B, not giving them what the thing that I have to give them, which is my authenticity. My truest authenticity is what I have to give my children. And if I'm not given that, then I'm really not given to my children. And if I'm not, you know, mirroring their authenticity, then then I'm not really parenting them either. So we, we have this thing all wrong. We get control of other people mixed up with helping other people and healing other people. And we pump ourselves up in the process. I'm helping. I'm healing. Therefore, I'm a good person. And uh, we don't really want to know that, but it's there. And that's what we've discovered uh, in our talk today. But the other thing is, in the discovery process, we can discover our own genuine, unique gift. My gift is, you know, different from yours. I do artwork. I sing. I do this radio show. I, I, um, I do therapy. I um, write poetry. I write books. These are the things that I give because they come from my truest passion, my love of life, my verve, my vivacity, my zow. That's what I give. That's me giving my life for another. What do you have to give? What, what is yours? What is distinctly you? Uniquely you. That's what you have to give. But what we generally do is we don't, mm, we don't want to be unique. Oh, no, 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 no. We don't want to be unique. That means that we're different. And the D word is almost as bad as being a mongrel or a monster or some kind of criminal. You know, children are bullied all the time because they're not operating uh, like everybody else. Our schools are fairly much insisting that our children act, walk, talk, think just like everybody else and sit down and shut up and listen to me and that's what we're supposed to do in school. Many schools, not all schools. Um, so uh, in, in, in that whole dynamic, what we're saying is don't be you, be who we need you to be. Look like us, and you'll make us feel like we're okay. But so, if you're not looking like us, we're going to make fun of you so that you'll get back in line and and do and start operating like us. And so, we go out into the world and we shrink into this small little capsule of who we actually are. And hopefully, when we come back home at night, we. You know, like you have those little sponge things that are in the capsules that you can put in the water and they just open back up into a dragon or something else. Hopefully we do that when we get home. We give ourselves some healing water and we open back up. Um, but eventually, after a process, a time and a process, we learn that uh, we can stay opened up all the time if we really wanted to. <laughs> we have the choice. We can be bold. We can be unique. We can be ourselves. We can do that because we are who we we are the gift that we have to bring to the world. We are the gift we have to give, bring to the world. And the more we try to be just like everybody else, the less we have to give, the less we help, the less we heal. That's the true thing. And, and, and a process involves an internal look, a process of unfolding, that process of, you know, dropping the water on the little spongy pill, and it opens up into this beautiful red dragon or blue pterodactyl or something else it it took water it took some softening 
it took softening. And so when we when we look inside ourselves with that soft eye that says, okay, I'm not going to judge you. I'm just going to be here with you and hear what you have to say to me. That's when we then can say, okay, now I can see what's inside of me. I can sort of relax into that. I can be that, be okay with that. And now I have something to give to the world. Prior to that, we weren't given. We weren't given. We were shrinking, trying to be what the world, we thought the world needed us to be. All right. So what we've discovered basically today is that what we think is true about helping and healing ain't necessarily so. And what we think we're being told when we talk about love and how we should be loving and kind to other people, the minute you put a should in front of love, it ceases to be love. The minute you start operating out of guilt, you are no longer loving. That is not love. Uh, The minute you are running your life by guilt, you're shrinking your life into something that it isn't. And, and... So when we, and the other piece is that when we think that we are helping somebody else because we should, ought to, or have to, um, we're very often not, not helping them, but attempting to control them, trying to get them to feel something or do something different. And when we're not trying to control them, we're very often just trying to make ourselves feel like good people. Neither one of those two things has anything to do with love. And if it's real healing and if it's real helping, it comes from love and love that is received first. So reception is the name of the game. We go inside and we receive the love that is in there for us and then it radiates outward as us. And that is true helping and healing. So that's the end of our show today. Next week, uh, we're going to be talking about authentic power, what that really means, what it is to be empowered. What does it mean to be an empowered person? You don't want to miss that. Stay tuned. We'll be back with that next week. That's the 27th of March. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.